This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 19, the saddest of sweeps, as it looks like we've seen the last of Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras out at the friendly confines. And now we're going to have an interview with Chicago Tribune Cubs beat writer Megan Montemoro. Next on Fly the W, I am here with the beat writer for uh, Cubs beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, Megan Montemurro. Megan, how are you doing today? I'm good. Ready for uh, the craziness of trade deadline week. <laughs> and that's that's why I wanted to have you on because uh, you know it was about a week ago, a little over a week ago, that we saw a picture of Wilson and Ian at the All Star game with old pal Kyle Schwarber and. It just so happens that the Cubs started facing off against Phillies in the second half, and you had a chance to talk to Kyle Schwarber, and Kyle was really one of the first one of the core. Obviously, Jake Arrieta elected free agency and stuff like that, but he was really the first to actually get moved by the Cubs. They non-tendered him, which was shocking. And so he gave you an interview talking about kind of what is going on in the mindset of guys like Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. What did he really say about that whole experience for him? Yeah, I think his main message was that, you know, you, you always think it, it can never be better than where you're at. Um, and he obviously spoke very highly of the Cubs organization and his time there. But he also made clear, like, there's other really good organizations and, and teams that are run well elsewhere. And that, you know, kind of life moves on and you can still be successful and you can still find a place and an organization that you can call home that isn't the Cubs. And so I thought that was interesting perspective. And, you know, he, he understands what, um, you know, Hap and, you know, Wilson face, you know, basically outside of David Bodie, no home homegrown players under, you know, Theo and Jed have been given contract extensions. And so he kind of talked about how, you know, it, it was never something he felt entitled to or was really waiting for. Um, but he understands the desire to want to stay where you're at. And so I just thought it was it was good perspective. You know, he spoke from a fan perspective of, yeah, like, obviously, 
if you're a Cubs fan, like you want these guys sticking around. But from the business side, you know, he also said that he understands what teams have to do. And um, and it's pretty obvious kind of what direction the Cubs are going to be going. Um, so I thought it was it was, you know, kind of insightful. And just in terms of, you know, like sometimes the grass can be greener on the other side. I know not maybe all players would agree with that, but for Schwarber, that's how he's felt. And, and you know, he thinks that can be the case for, for Wilson and Hap, too. And he's a good example to talk to because, I mean, when you think about it, 2015, he's the guy that puts the home run on top of the video board. He's the one that has the catastrophic injury in the beginning of 2016 and comes back and plays World Series hero. And so when he was non-tendered, I mean, at least, you know, the Cubs look to get something out of Wilson and Ian. I mean, they just let him walk for money. And, and I know for a fact that he was absolutely floored. He was shocked by that. He was really shaken when that happened. So, you know, I, do you think that maybe he talked to Ian or Wilson at all during the All-Star break about it? Or was it mainly just try to get their minds off of it? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think you talk to any players, you know, they don't always want to be talking baseball, whether it's, you know, at an event like the All-Star game or on the bench, you know. But it definitely sounds like he connected with them and, you know, definitely could could tell them like, hey, I relate to to what potentially you're facing and the uncertain future that comes with that. And so, you know, I think it is helpful for them. And, you know, I think obviously Hap being pretty close with him too, you know, um, and I think having a guy like that that's gone through something like that, um, you know, obviously there's the three from last year as well. But, it, you know, when you have a chance to connect with somebody, you know, you're able to kind of get information direct from the source if you want it. And when, when you talk about those guys, you talked about the three from last year, that was Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez. I mean, as a fan, I was just shocked because I said, okay, I know some of these guys are going, but at least they'll probably keep Rizzo or maybe they'll keep Baez. But when it was all three, it was shocking. And, and Schwarber talked about that as well, like for a guy like Rizzo um, to be gone. I mean, he was the heart and soul of that team, really the captain, you would say, and, and that – to see, to see players shocked by that really kind of spoke volumes. Yeah, and I mean, I think players, you know, within clubhouses can see who who matters a lot to the city or, or to a fan base. And obviously, I think Rizzo is a very obvious example of that. And if he's, you know, somebody that can go through that, really it means anybody is in play in that situation. And so – you know, I think it's interesting just how different, you know, this team's going to be over these next two months. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe how different the team is going to be from opening day last year to what, you know, the, the lineup is probably going to look like on August 3rd. Um, but, you know, I think one thing that really stood out last year from when um, Jed Hoyer talked to us after that was that, you know, it, it was an, it was emotional having to do that, but like, he also talked about needing to keep the emotion out of those kind of decisions, which if you're a fan, you know, it's all about emotions and being attached and, you know, wanting these guys to stay Cubs for life or at least, you know, beyond um, their arbitration years. And so to hear him say that, I mean, really brings home kind of the business side of this, um, which every player kind of knows exists, but maybe doesn't fully grasp it until they're the ones going through it. Right. Ernie Banks was was an outlier when you think, you know, Ron Santo finished with the White Sox and Billy Williams finished with the A's. And you could just go down the list as, you know, it, it is unfortunately a business and that doesn't help you as a fan. 
And when I was kind of, uh, you had the opportunity to be in the clubhouse after that Blue Friday massacre last year, roughly around the same time, it was July 29th. How did the clubhouse change after that big shakeup? Well, technically we weren't allowed in the clubhouse yet. We were allowed on the field um, and in the dugout and stuff. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is you just look around and you're like, okay, that's a new face. That's a new face. Okay. I need to remember that's who that is. Like it's, it's, there's such significant change. Like, you know, you're used to for the last, you know, five to six years at that point, the same guys for the most part running out every year and especially the core pieces. And so when you have a significant change like that, I think it's jarring for everybody involved. And, you know, especially when you have a manager who is teammates with a lot of, with, with those guys and one world series with them. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't think you can downplay what, Contreras has meant to the younger Latino players in the clubhouse, you know, Christopher Morrell, Nelson Velasquez, you know, they, they, he clearly means a lot to them and his mentorship has meant a lot to them. And I don't think you can discount the impact of him leaving and, you know, in, in either of those cases. So it's going to be interesting to see how guys like that respond where you, where you don't have that guy that you can lean on when maybe you're going through a tough stretch or you have those moments of doubt um, you know, they're, they're going to be losing potentially two key leadership pieces in, in Wilson and, and Hap. So they're going to have to fill that void internally, um, in some way. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how kind of the, the clubhouse responds in that regard. Absolutely. And, and as someone with a lot of access to the players, have you noticed it, especially I think with Wilson, there has always been chatter coming into the season. I mean, they were even going to arbitration up until the 11th hour, uh, Hap, I think, is kind of a little bit different for me because, like, you know, that drum beat didn't get louder until more recently. It, it, like, with Wilson, it's been like a cloud over this whole season. But did you notice anything different with Wilson throughout the season? It, has it seemed to have been affecting him or at least in, in, in the back of his mind? Would you, was it something that you noticed differently than years prior? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, he made very clear in spring training. Like, look, I saw – what, you know, KB, Javi, Rizzo went through last year and how they handled it. And like, he basically was like, for me, I'm, it's not going to be something I'm think going to think about or worry about or going to talk about. Like, I don't want that to be something that's an issue in the clubhouse or, or weighs over, you know, the clubhouse and, you know, potentially, you know, affects other guys by having to, to talk about it or deal, deal with it. And honestly, like, I, I think he really stayed true to that until the last, couple days. I mean, he, he really obviously got emotional after um, the game Monday night and, you know, it, he admitted that like it finally got to him. But I think up until that point in the last couple of days that, yeah, he did a really good job of keeping those thoughts away not stressing about it, um, believing that, you know, what happens happens and that, you know, if he did get to free agency that he will, you know, receive what he's worth and there will be interest. And so, I think he had self-confidence in that. And then on the flip side, like, I, I think he really did take on more of a leadership role, you know, and I think part of that is, you know, a so-called void left behind, but also, you know, those were some pretty big names, you know, to be leaving the team. And I think it really allowed Wilson to really fully be himself. And, um, you know, obviously he, he's always embraced the emotional side of the game. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think a big reason that he's had the success he's had offensively this year is because he hasn't been worrying about what his numbers are going to be, or if he's going to get paid in free agency. Um, and so I think he's done a really good job of, you know, not letting that have affected him the last couple months. 
Yeah, and you brought up the fact last night, uh, the Cubs obviously uh, won and they, they ended up sweeping the series with Pittsburgh two game, but really no one's going to remember that. Uh, but seeing him last night, as emotional as he was and tears in his eyes, I, I think for a guy like Wilson and, and Ian Happ as well, you know, these are guys that basically grew up their formative years, like growing up into adulthood with this organization, with this city. It's been everything to them. And I think that that it really, you know, once you start getting to that point, it's it's weird because there's no deals made. There's still Cubs, you know what I mean? They could very much play tomorrow or not tomorrow, Thursday in San Francisco. But but it's almost like there's this sense of resignation between not only Wilson, but also Ian Happ. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and, and I would say to that, too, like, you, I mean, Wilson in particular, I mean, he was 17, signed out of, out of Venezuela like the career he's had has been life changing for his entire family. You know, he's gotten to see, you know, what his brother's been able to do. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can discount um, how much that has impacted his life just, just beyond the baseball stuff for Wilson and, you know, and, and with Hap too, I mean, you know, as you said, he, he grew up through this organization. He, experienced struggle, success, failure. He's, he's really experienced it almost all, almost everything you can in terms of the highs and lows a player can endure during their career. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's, it's nice to see that they both embraced the moment and um, acknowledge, yeah, this could be the end because I think sometimes you see guys or athletes you know, try to play it off like, oh, this is just another game. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not focused on tomorrow or what might happen. I'm just focused on the now. And and they don't maybe soak everything in and really appreciate appreciate the moment. So I think it was cool the last, you know, two days, you know, at Wrigley to see them really appreciate what was happening and, and you know, the fans recognizing them. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, absolutely. And and those two guys in particular had very close relationships with the fans. I mean, you just remember Wilson playing catch with a kid in there and Ian Happ's relationship with the guys in the left field bleachers. And and, and they they have created a connection. And so you you take a look here now. There there has been rumors, obviously, that maybe they're going to be packaged together. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I think about the Vic Caratini, you Darvish, when they went together and stuff like that. It's almost like part of you wishes that they do kind of go to it, you know, go through it together. But, uh, you know, right now it sounds like the Mets are in play, the Padres. Are you hearing any other teams that are showing interest in maybe a package deal for the two? Yeah, I think the package deal thing is interesting. It's And, and part of it is you package them you're trading them to a team where you know they have another year of control of Ian Happ where it's just not the expiring 
contract situation, kind of like last year when you think of Baez and Trevor Williams going to New York, though obviously the package of players is much different in this case. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the Mets and Padres are, are obvious teams that you would expect to be involved in that. And, and I think you're still kind of the next day or two, you know, there's some teams that need to figure out, are they buying or selling? Like I'm thinking of the Red Sox, not that they necessarily would be in play for these guys, but like you still have some teams that are trying to figure out what path, you know, they need to go. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, ultimately um, what happens. And, you know, w- one thing that's kind of stood out to me in the last couple of days is I think last year, everybody was bracing basically for those three guys to leave. You know, it, would, it was on the radar for a couple of years. The, the contract extension talks and speculation had had gone on for a couple of years at that point this year. And, and, and you and I'd be interested to hear your perspective on this, too, but like. I almost feel like this is this, you know, happen and Contreras leaving is in some ways hitting fans harder because, you know, this wasn't something that was on the radar necessarily for the past three years that they're going to be gone and they're not going to, neither of them are going to be re-signed. And so I think it's just been interesting seeing some of the Cubs fans reactions. Um, and, and obviously both of them, you know, like the, the guys last year are very well liked as well. As you said, they've made connections with fans. So that might be part of it too. But I think it's been interesting seeing, you know, how, how many fans have been vocal about wanting Contreras extended and, and not wanting half traded. And so I think it's been an interesting dynamic to see fan reaction from last year to this year. Yeah. From, from just taking that from a fan perspective, you know, like, like I was saying a little bit earlier is that I, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be that complete massacre that happened last year. So I was at the game. It was against the Reds right before they went to Washington. And we, we go to the park that day. Baez was in the lineup, but Bryant and Rizzo were not. And you never saw mm-hmm. really a day where both of those guys were not playing. Um, and, and, and so we were kind of like, this okay. Well, maybe they got certain things we know. Well, maybe bias a stand. Okay, right. maybe that's logical. And but it was hard because like during that game, the Cubs lost. Like everybody wanted Bryant or or uh, Rizzo to get one last at bat. Give him a pinch hit at bat. Let us let us kind of say our goodbyes. And we never did. Uh, when John Lester left, he right. never got a proper goodbye. That was when there was no fans in the ballpark. So I think a lot for and and I, again, it it's it's. You know, we weren't sure as fans, was this going to be some sort of little retool, make a couple moves, change a couple things? It's clear what direction they're taking now. There's no doubt about that. And so it, it's it's an end. It's an end to an era. Obviously, you still have Jason Hayward. How much he plays anymore, we don't know. And then Kyle Hendricks. Those are the last of the two of the 2016 team that really changed Cub fandom forever and, and made history. So I think I think the fact that here you go. You It just kind of played out perfectly that this was the last two games, beautiful weather right before you go on a road trip and you know, they're leaving. I, th- I think it gave fans one last chance to, kind of, I don't even think it was just about Hap and Contreras. It was just about everything. It was like the totality of it all and saying goodbye to a team that, that gave us everything we all dreamed for, for so many years. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and I definitely get, you know, how tough this has been for fans the last two years. Like you never imagine that nobody basically from that 2016 that could be extended, you know, will be essentially, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, 
you know, but on the flip side, I mean, I think there's also been signs from some players in the first couple months that maybe this rebuild is not as far away as it might feel. Um, I mean, I think you're seeing another stellar outing, you know, from Keegan Thompson today. Nico Horner has been playing out of his mind. Christopher Morrell is looking like the real deal. Justin Steele is looking like he's a starter. Like there's, there's some intriguing pieces that I think can make it potentially feel a little closer than, you know, fans might think. And obviously a big component to that is going to be what they do in the off season. I mean, they have to sign one of those big free agent shortstops, um, but I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to set them up for an interesting off season. And, you know, with some of the pieces they have in the minors coming along, you know, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of things to be excited about that, you know, for as sad of a stretch that this is for Cubs fans, you know, I do think that this might not, this might not be a four year thing. Maybe, maybe next year they take a little bit closer step to being 500 and really within the next two years. I mean, it should be a completely different vibe. Absolutely. The depth of this team of the farm system is, you know, no, it's not, some people are paying more and more attention to it, but when you look at what Myrtle beach is doing in South Bend and Tennessee, and then those pieces are starting to move up a little bit to even into Iowa. I mean, it's, it is exciting Um, with the possibility of happen Contreras not being back. Who do you think takes more of a leadership role? Do you think it's more Rossi kind of stepping up a little bit more? Or are there other people that you think would fill that void in the clubhouse? I mean, I think, having just mentioned him, I mean, I think Nico Horner is one of those guys. I mean, he's, he's kind of that perfect bridge, you know, where he was around, you know, the, the previous core and got to learn from them, you know, world series champions. Um, and, you know, he's also young enough and, and playing at a level that, you know, it forces guys to take notice and he's really well respected and well liked within the clubhouse. And, um, you know, as, as Ross mentioned after last night, you know, he's a winner, you know, and he's a winning type player. And, you know, I think his teammates feed off of that. And so I think he's definitely a guy that has already kind of started a little bit getting into that, that leadership role and definitely has an opportunity here to kind of take that next step forward, um, within the clubhouse. And, you know, I think a guy like Jan Gomes, um, you know, he's under contract for another year and, extremely well liked, you know, by the pitching staff, you know, multiple guys have gone out of their way to like credit his pitch calling behind the plate and the way he works a game and um, prepares for a game. So I think um, it, it, especially that position, it's, it's really good to have, you know, a really strong leadership uh, guy right there. Um, so those are the two that first immediately come to mind. And, and certainly there's going to be opportunities for a guy like Patrick wisdom, if he stays part of this, kind of nucleus um, to take on, you know, some more leadership type responsibilities. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that evolves over the next two months. One last question for you. You, you mentioned the, the big free agent class of shortstops and there's going to be plenty of them. Uh, you know, Nick Magical is a guy who's been injured and struggled much this season. I'm sure he's going to get a chance to uh, be at second base once he's healthy and, and, and they feel like he's ready to move up. But do you see if they do get one of those shortstops, what do you see the situation with Nico Horner being? That's a really tough question. I think it's a good one. Um, I mean, obviously he's shown that he can be a, a big league starting shortstop. And then obviously you look at his credentials. I mean, he was a gold glove finalist at second 
And, you know, even last year they were talking about maybe, you know, he can get some work out in center field because he's so athletic, obviously has a great arm. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's really hard to say how Madrigal fits in the plans going forward because he's been hurt so often this year and, and really hasn't had a chance to show what he can do when he's healthy that it's really hard to gauge, you know, would they allow him to keep playing second and force, you know, Nico to kind of play a Chris Morrell role again? Um, I, I think it's an interesting question to answer. I don't think they know that yet. Um, but I do think they believe that you you accrue talent and then you figure out things after that. And I think Nico is is a team player and a good enough athlete that you can really put him anywhere and, you know, he's, he's going to succeed and take to the challenge given to him. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's really important, you know, that Madrigal at least gets through the next two months healthy once he returns from his rehab um, because, yeah, he really needs to build some – some positive momentum going into the off season. And I saw the, the numbers that you pulled about the clutch numbers for Nico Horner. I mean, you would argue that there's probably no one else on the team you would rather have up in an important situation than Nico Horner. Yeah, exactly. And and that's essentially what Ross um, said after Monday's game, basically it was like, you know, not that I'm, he basically was like, I'm not that I'm going to compare to my former teammate, you know, who just went into the hall of fame referring to David Ortiz, but he basically was saying like he's never seen somebody want those moments as much as Nico, which <laughs> says a lot about him as a competitor, um, but also that he rises to the occasion when he is in those situations. You know, he he just has a calm presence up there. Um, you know, he doesn't try and do too much, which I think you see a lot of times from guys in those spots. Um, and yeah, so I mean, he, he's going to be in the lineup somewhere and he's shown defensively that, you know, he's versatile enough that where they ultimately end up putting him, he should thrive and, and be just as, you know, good defensively. But yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting, but I think we're starting to see some, some signs of pieces that they have on this roster, which really was what the season was going to ultimately be about. And the fact that, you know, Christopher Morrell emerged kind of out of nowhere, you know, out of double A and, and, you know, seemed like he was up as a temporary call up and then basically, you know, force them to keep him on, keep him on the roster. <laughs> right. You're, you're starting to hear rookie of the year whispers possibly. And, and, right. and, you know, there's still some time left. And I, I am a little concerned. Do you, do you think, cause he's also very an emotional player plays with his heart on his sleeve, similar to Wilson. How, how much do you think Wilson being traded would affect Christopher Morrell? I don't know if necessarily the trade itself would, I mean, I'm, you know, he, he'll be sad, bummed, all those typical feelings that you would experience and something like that. But I do think, you know, kind of what I alluded to before and in, in how, you know, Wilson is a mentor to the Latino players in that clubhouse. Like, yeah, like, you know, I think we all remember the moment where he told, you know, Morrell to just calm, calm down, take a breath. Yeah, <laughs> just breathe. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think those those little things can't be discounted. And, and I do think he's going to feel the impact of that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how these next two months go when you don't have, you know, the, the veteran guy that you'd been leaning on, you know, through your first few months as a rookie. Absolutely. Megan, I appreciate you hopping on. Where would our followers uh, look and find more of your work at? Where can they find you, your socials, your anything like that? Yeah, you can go to uh, chicagotribune.com backslash Cubs to find all of our Cubs coverage. And then on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at M underscore Montemiro. 
I appreciate you coming on. Love to have you on again, Megan. And uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.